Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. There's an old saying attributed to Spanish philosopher George Santayana that states, in its original form, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, says that our country may be in danger of doing just that when it comes to religious freedom. I've asked him to join us today to explain what he means. Lincoln, what do we need to know? Well, very complicated, but it's all connected to the fact that 2017 will be the 500th anniversary of the Reformation as defined by Martin Luther's Central Role in it. And I wrote an editorial recently musing on this. In fact, it was for the January 2017 issue. And uh, it hit me that as I traced through the, the conditions that led to Luther and beyond, that you can sort of play them backwards and you pretty much are in our scenario. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We are sort of unraveling the steps that led to it. And it's an interesting concept. You're using Santayana, his powerful quote. What I used as the device was Michael Fox's series of movies, Back to the Future. Back to the Future, yes. <laughs> and I said in my editorial, I sort of had a, a DeLorean moment when I, was, <laughs> when I was doing this. Yes, yes. I don't know how many of our listeners remember the DeLorean, that stainless steel oh, appliance. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I used to read car magazines a lot, but I don't ever remember reading a performance review on it. I think mm-hmm. it was sort of a doggy car, but it looked fantastic. Yes, it did. But uh, let, let me take you through how I was tracing the Reformation and then do it in reverse. Yes. The Reformation really was not just Luther. And even in England, the Reformation was not just Henry VIII and his desperate struggle to find an heir and frustration with the Roman Church. It was bigger, and it was tied up to social developments in Europe. There's no question that the uh, development of machines and lessened need for the uh, peasants and the serfs and the rise of a middle class or a merchant class weakened the power of the church over society because there's no question that back in the medieval era and the dark ages, the church and the state, I used the term, it was a sword, hand, and glove. Yes, yes. <laughs> they were together. The church, while it on occasion would treat you very uh, harshly, it was so closely allied with the state that if you fell under the frown of the church, they just delivered you to the state and it would cut your head off mm-hmm. or do whatever rough justice it deemed necessary. But there, there was a change building up to the Reformation, as, as I say, in society. There was the printing press, and Caxton's press preceded the Reformation by about 100 years, I think it was. I read a statistic the other day that was quite illuminating to me, that by 1500, which is two decades roughly before Martin Luther's 95 Theses. But by 1500, there were already 30 million books in circulation. Hmm. That's much more hmm. than I would have thought. Really? And clearly, most of them, or a good percentage of them, were Bibles. Yes. And that coupled with the rise of the middle or the business class, and of course, of necessity, they were self-improving themselves. They needed to know basic skills of business and you know, communication because before that, just the nobility had education. Right. So people could read more than before. They were reading the scriptures. They were stirring themselves with views that came less from religion than from 
rediscovering Greek and Roman philosophy, bestirring themselves with the idea that they were sovereign beings, that they had a right to think and act on their own and not be told by the church or the state. So all of this was percolating when Martin Luther, a Catholic priest, it must be remembered, himself read the Bible. He was teaching it, but as we discover in our day, there's plenty of people that teach about stuff that may not know oh, the root principle. Oh, man, absolutely. And it shocked him when he read it closely. He thought that he could reform his own church. It would be a mistake to think Martin Luther was a rebel. He thought that he could reform it. And he discovered that his naivety was poorly placed. The system was resistant. And over several years, in fact, I myself didn't realize how many years it was, uh, I think about 15, 17 years. Don't quote me exactly, but it was more than just a few months. It was quite a few years after his posting of the 95 Theses before he appeared before the Council or the Diet of Worms, or Worms if you're literally minded, but it was Worms, Germany, for the emperor. So things built very, very slowly, and, and one thing followed another, and his words were inflammatory. The context was inflammatory. People were anxious to cut loose. And I believe that the real enabling factor was a shared military threat where Europe was under constant attack, hundreds of attacks over several decades from the Ottoman Muslims, the Ottoman Empire, with its capital in Istanbul, which had been conquered from the uh, Byzantines, the Christian Byzantines. And I, I again saw a statistic that's very uh, illuminating, that Istanbul was five times larger than Paris. Hmm. Hmm. The locus of power was not in Europe at that time. It was uh, this Muslim area, and they were just chipping away at the autonomy of Europe. They'd been defeated at great loss of life by Charles Martel a little earlier, or somewhat earlier in France. But in Martin Luther's time, in that context, Vienna was laid siege and nearly fell. It was a desperate time, and I think that curiously enabled the uh, flourishing of dissident religious views that led directly to the Protestant Reformation, which was Lutheran in Germany, because it was the Church of England or the state church in England that really kept a lot of the trappings of Romanism, but right. was under the right. king instead of the pope. There were different reformers all over Europe. And it laid the groundwork for the patchwork of Protestantism that we know today. There are hundreds of Protestant sects. I was just looking at a Catholic website this morning. It must be accurate, at least as far as their own uh, position, because they'd, have, they'd be inclined to overstate it that there are 33% of the population in the U.S. Protestant and 14.6% uh, Catholic. Huh. So uh, the U.S. is still not overwhelmingly Protestant, right. but overwhelmingly Protestant compared to Catholic. Right, right. So Protestantism flourished. It's continued to flourish in the United States. And it led in this open viewpoint directly to the establishment of the United States, this new secular world order. Mm -hmm. Now, something that I included in my editorial that I know I've mentioned on this program before is that the break with Rome in Germany and then other Western European countries was traumatic, and it led directly to war. 30 years of war, mm -hmm. aptly named the 30 years 30 war, year war right. that led to uh, wholesale starvation, breakdown of the entire social order, Eight million people died, which uh, not quite as much as World War II, where uh, 
as many as 50, 60 million people died, but probably as great a percentage of the population yes. then. Devastating. And so at the end of the 30 Years' War, they sat down and had a comprehensive peace treaty that was the Peace of Westphalia in 1648. 109 delegations came into it, and out of it came the modern map of Europe with slight tweakings, as I said in the editorial. World Wars One and Two tweaked it a little bit. You know, Germany invaded Poland, for example, and so on. But essentially, it's the modern map of Europe and the modern concept that we still inherit of the nation-state. But running it in reverse, think about where we are now. We're at a point where Protestantism is not sure of its difference from Catholicism doctrinally. Right. Even the Lutherans have sat down and moved over their differences with Rome. The Pope is politically resurgent. The United States is drifting toward a totalitarian uh, viewpoint. You know, it's, it's an overstatement, but it's not a mischaracterization. We're it's drifting true. that way. We're facing an existential threat from radical Islam which is preoccupying us as it did Europe at the time of Martin Luther. And, and I threw in a few key elements that people need to remember, that as you forget your origin, as we are forgetting the dynamic of Protestantism that created the modern liberal states, and it's in our case the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, as you forget that, the tendency is to drift back to where you came from. And I use the maybe as much symbolic as anything, example of dear old President Reagan. I remember when he was brought up, not on charges, but to answer <laughs> the charge of, of the whole Iran-Contra thing, which right. he clearly was involved with. Yes. He couldn't remember, couldn't remember anything. And at the time, that seemed sort of disingenuous. Later on, we realized that perhaps he was already a little Alzheimer's to make yes. up the word. Yeah. But I think it's a good figure for what was going on in church state and Protestant sensibility, because he didn't remember how important it was to keep a Protestant separation from old-world political religious powers. He sent the first ambassador to the Vatican, even though his not long before predecessor, John F. Kennedy, a Roman Catholic, made it very plain that he wouldn't allow Pope or prelate right. to tell him what to do. Right. Right. So, we, you know, in that, that little gap of time, we drifted so much, and today... And I'm harping on something that's troubled me a lot. You know, the Pope of Rome can come as a political leader. Mm -hmm. We owe him respect as a spiritual leader of, of, of many millions, perhaps a billion people around the world. But we know him no leeway as a political power coming into a Protestant environment and by his very appearance mudding the church-state divide. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I see us, like I say, the progression, social change, greater education and awareness, the, the threat of Islam, which actually uh, overshadowed and, and, and in some ways enabled the Reformation, and then the, uh, the wars that led to it. We're drifting back into wars. We're questioning the nation-state. We're questioning the separation of church and state. We're questioning even why the Reformation took place to start with, and we're drifting back into a joining of church and state. My, uh, you outlined that very clearly, and I always ask this question, Lincoln Steed, what are we to do? What are we as Christians? What are we who see this and understand it and understand this connection to history? What are we supposed to do? Group awareness is the key thing that's missing. Mm -hmm. And uh, individually, of course, 
we can uh, look to ourselves. We can't force other people. As I uh, ended the editorial, I'll read my last paragraph yes. since I like my own words. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I don't. But uh, I've, I read this. Post-election 2016, America looks to be changing rapidly. And I wrote, we see, in quotes, new men, other minds, to quote Tennyson. We need to pray that the Reformation remains in our DNA and that our future is not backwards. Wow. Words of wisdom today from Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. www.libertymagazine.org is the website. Lincoln, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing these words of insight about our past and our future. And until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. Today.